Awesome. Today on the podcast, we've got Kel Flett, who is a sports dietitian. She's going to share some awesome value, I think, for the listeners today. So stoked to have, have you on, Kel. How are you going? Yeah, wonderful. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm really happy to be here. Um, really admire your work. So yeah, really appreciate um, being able to work with you on this. It's great. Yeah, awesome. Tell us a little bit about what you've been up to lately. People that have follow you will know that you've had a little bit of a injury in the last yes. couple of months. Yes, the last two months have been really tough for me. So I broke my collarbone. I um, had six weeks. Um, so I came off my dirt bike um, straight off the handlebars at the beach, broke my collarbone. Um, six weeks of um, trying to get that to recover by itself. Never happened. So I went in for an operation, had it operated on. I'm two weeks post-op now. So I'm starting to feel, I feel really good today. So uh, but it's been a long, hard two months. Um, but yeah, back onto it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Awesome, you're getting some progress now. Yeah, yeah, much nicer to have some comfort, um, some pain, and then to to be actually be able to do things without um, struggling. Some of those small tasks have been they seem absolutely ginormous. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> yeah. Any anything would be when your collarbone snapped clean in half. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I kind of underappreciated that, I think. <laughs> yeah. um, so tell us about how you, I guess, I'd love to hear about how you got into dirt bikes, I guess, initially, um, yeah. and then got down the line of, of the nutrition stuff as well, because I guess like, there's more and more females getting into dirt bike riding these days, which is awesome to see. So how did that journey sort of evolve for you? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it definitely is awesome to see. There's so many... Uh, women just shredding it out there at, at the moment. It's just amazing. Um, so I started, so I did my nutrition degree. So I became um, an accredited nutritionist back in like 2010, um, so 10, 11 years ago. And then I did a postgrad in dietetics. So I became an accredited dietitian. So I hold those two titles. And I think, so it's a bit blurry, but that's sort of when I started taking up dirt bikes. So um, I was back in the Blue Crew back then. I had a YZ250. And I think back on it now, I'm like, how did I ever stay motivated, like kickstarting it? And I'd be doing, like, I'd stall it and I'd be just running down hills and jump starting it and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, we used to just go out riding trails and uh, mucking around on the farm. So I picked it up that way. Then my hubby had a huge accident, ended up in the trauma unit. Um, so I kind of decreased that, that passion, obviously wasn't strong enough to keep at it. Had two kids, dirt bikes and children, don't, like pregnancies don't, don't, don't go together great. <laughs> then I came post, I have always been working, say, in hospitals and community health. So doing lots of diabetes, heart disease, um, weight management, those sorts of things. Yet I've been such a, like I love sport and I love going to the gym. I love netball, basketball, footy. Um, so then I thought, well, let's do my sports dietetics course. So I went and did my sports dietetics course. So then I'm an accredited nutritionist, dietitian, and now sports dietitian as well. So that was awesome. Started doing that. And then for some reason, hubby's like, get back on the bike. I'm like, 
okay. <laughs> so he had upgraded his bike and got a KDM. Um, so I took his. So I jumped on the KDM 350 and decided to give that a go. And I was just like, bang, I was absolutely hooked again. <laughs> um, so took off doing that. So I did my sports dietetics, got back into dirt bike riding. And then I was like, you know, you'd be out riding with the guys or they'd be complaining of headaches. And I'm like, what are you drinking? Oh, not much, just some water. I'm like, oh my God. Like, so then it really snowballed this thing of what are people doing with diet and dirt bikes? And you jump on Instagram or um, Facebook and, you know, like, what do you normally see with nutrition on posts? There's not a lot really. No, not much, or it's all sponsored stuff. So it's all caffeine, you know, it's all energy drinks, maybe some protein powders here and then. But there's like, no, I just like, there was nothing out there at all. And I just found that so intriguing. And I was like, I was just thinking of all the juniors coming up and they're just seeing energy drinks and, you know, this industry that's really tough. So like, what do you need food for, you know? just tough it out it's like well that could actually be quite dangerous (laughs) so I kind of was inspired by junior athletes coming through um and that really got the the ball rolling really so I'm still pretty much in that infancy I would say like um of doing this but yeah super passionate about it and just want to keep spreading that message really yeah that's awesome I like it I think you're definitely right it's something we could definitely do a better job of especially like you say for kids because yeah. you look at some of the pro riders and, and like I'm quite sure they are eating well day to day but if you just went off what they post on social media or if you saw at the races they just looks like they're slamming cans of monster or whatever um yep. and like kids are they buy into that don't they so absolutely yeah and that's exactly you do see that and there can be a role for those energy drinks but then, you know, they also have a danger associated with them too, particularly for younger younger people. So, um, and half the time, we don't really know if these guys are actually drinking them or not. Um, so, yeah, it's all, there wasn't much out there at all. Still isn't really. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so what's, have you got any goals with the riding stuff? Are you just, you just social riding or have you got some goals to do any racing or anything like that? Yeah, I so 2021's taken a big <laughs> for me. So I was hoping 2021 was going to be a really good year. I had in my sights, I really wanted to do a couple of overnight trails. So I was doing um, trail riding with the guys and just going out on our little tracks out on the farm and practicing. I felt like I was really starting to get a nice flow. Then I broke my arm. So I had wanted to do more longer endurance trail riding first. And then if I managed that, I was really keen to do, you know, at least one enduro, if not sweep it. Um, So that's definitely on hold at the moment. Um, So I'll just be more involved with the club. So I became treasurer of our local club. I'll go do as much volunteering at the enduros and that as I can. And then, yeah, maybe next year pick up more racing. But this year we'll be straight back into trail riding for sure. That's my um, happy zone. Um, Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, it'll be cool to see you get back on the bike. Yeah, cannot wait. I'm mentally ready, physically, uh, absolutely nowhere near, sadly. Yeah, won't be long. No, it won't be long. And I'm sure it'll go really quick. It's hard to believe it's been two months now. So give me another two months. 
be unstoppable. <laughs> Kicking goals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you kind of touched on it there before that when you were going out riding with some guys, you noticed that their like hydration was a big thing that they were perhaps lacking in. So yep. that that's definitely something that I notice um, that people can get some massive gains out of. So where do you sort of place that? place hydration in the spectrum of, of nutrition top it, it, it's up it's so high out there for dirt bike riding i think it's so hydration is really important across all sports and just life in general i think we forget how important you know we complain that we're tired and you know we're looking at things like iron or you know our lifestyles but it's like half the time if we just drank a little bit more water we'd probably feel okay um so i think hydration is important across the spectrum but you take a dirt bike rider and like it's just next level so we wear protective gear to start with so helmets goggles um we wear full jerseys and often vests then we've got pants socks boots like how are you meant to um you know manage your so like heat losses like uh, that's the best way is so convection so getting it off the sweat with the um air going through so there's a huge risk factor there and just the fact that we wear protective gear so my go-to with dirt bikes is everyone needs to hydrate regardless of what you're doing whether it's moto i'm just doing 15 minutes yeah but you're still getting really hot and you're having high sweat losses um trail riding no different uh, enduro all races they're super important so then where i individualize it is where people are like well do i run water electrolytes um, sports drink what do i do and that's where i think people find a huge minefield with it yeah for sure there's definitely i guess it's it's another one of those things that that people perhaps go off what they see maybe on social media <laughs> again. Yes, of, yes. Um, but there's actually not that much information out there for people. So what yep. what do you sort of recommend there when it does come to electrolytes and that type of thing for people? Yeah, yeah, really good question. So I think when I first started, I had this, I was just had this serious doubt because I hadn't been riding long enough and the guys were complaining of headaches, like real big headaches and stuff and fatigue. And I'm like, well, why don't you run some electrolytes? And they're like, oh, no, like they were just so dead against it. <laughs> like water only, sports drinks and that make you thirsty. So I was like, oh, yeah, okay, then this is all a bit hard. <laughs> and just really doubted myself. And then I um, started working with Tim Coleman and he said he ran electrolytes. I'm like, okay, well, if le this legend can run it, then I'm sure everyone else can. <laughs> so I was like, that's it. So I started looking into it tried it out myself so i would say there's a couple of pointers would be there is absolutely it's totally okay to run water particularly if you are doing trail and you have the ability to stop and eat um, because we get those electrolytes the sodium the potassium we get that from food so you don't always have to run electrolytes um, if you can eat and maintain it that way though so that's yeah. something to think about. So if someone's constantly cramping or getting headaches or fatiguing and we think it's hydration then um, and or loss of electrolytes, then, yeah, I'd be running something like electrolytes instead. So you go from your water plus food options. 
Um, then you go into, so electrolytes, which can be fantastic for replacing the losses that we have from our sweat. So basically, the more we ride with our gear on, we're sweating a lot. Some people sweat more salts and electrolytes than others. So we call them salty sweaters. And you can tell, you know, and you can, you can actually taste it on your skin. Some people, you can see it crystallizing. They've got white um, on their clothes and on their skin as if you'd gone to the beach. Um, so that's salty sweaters. So electrolytes in that case replace what has been lost through sweat uh, and urination and stuff. Um, the downfall of electrolytes is they don't fuel us. So all they're doing is sort of replenish, replenishing what we've lost, which is crucial for energy pathways and, and cell health and that anyway. But if people really struggle to consume food, so particularly in enduro or um, fast trail where you don't get much opportunity to eat, a sports drink can be useful because it gives you the carbs as well as the electrolytes. So that can be a real bonus as well. So they're the sort of three options that people can run with. Um, but then I can go off on huge tangents in how to actually do it because there's everyone's different, you know. <laughs> yeah, 100% everyone's different for sure, yeah. But yeah. You, you're, you're exactly right, I think, that to differentiate between the electrolyte and the, the carbohydrate because yep. some people just see the electrolyte and think, okay, that's all I need, but yep. they're there is a differentiation there and, and certain products have certain like different levels of each. Um, so. Yeah, for sure. And like, it's like, it's such a good sport in terms of we actually can do it. Like you go run a marathon and that it's really hard to consume adequate amounts of drink in that. Cause you've got to run and drink. Whereas with dirt bikes, we've got bloody packs on our back. Like we can literally fuel ourselves as we ride. It's like, we need to take advantage of that. So you've got a Camelback or a Zach Speed or um, what is it, USWE, whatever you're running, you can put your carbs in there and you can trickle that carbohydrate through to fuel you as you're going um, or your electrolytes. But again, if you're getting your carbs from food, then no, you don't need to run your sports drink. So it all depends. Um, I guess another tip I have is when people are like, well, oh, I can't tolerate it. It's horrible. It makes me thirstier you can dilute it, um, particularly like if you're drinking large amounts, like three litres, you're going to get your total carbs because you've consumed so much versus having a really concentrated amount, consuming very small amounts. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes a dilution is still better than nothing. Well, yeah, I reckon you're right for sure. Like you're definitely better off diluting it than going too strong. Like if you go yep. too stronger than what they say on the packet yep. is not a good idea in most cases. Oh, gross. It's horrible. I did it once. I've chucked it in my pack and always taste it before you go for a ride. So I had a taste. I was like, oh, that's just disgusting. I can't even tolerate that standing in my kitchen, let alone if you're out on the trail. When you're getting hot and bothered, you don't want something sickly and horrible. So, yeah, diluting it down a bit makes it more palatable um easier to consume larger amounts uh which is good so if you're doing something like desert racing what you can do is like if you're getting flavor fatigue with your sports drinks you can go like run a water pack swap your water pack over at your fuel stop and run electrolytes and then water again if you need to um, i've got one of my guys running two bladders so two bladders, you can just buy an extra bladder, chuck that in your pack, and you, he's got sports drink in one and water in the other. So there's all sorts of ways that you can make it work for you. But 
but I agree with you. I think hydration is just needs to be really prioritized, but not so much just when we're riding. It's the lead up to the race or to the trail. Like there's no point having six beers the night before and expecting to hydrate yourself on the trail. Like it's just not going to happen. You need to be hitting that hydration before you start. Yeah, hundred percent. I would yeah, say gotta, that it's it's yeah. such like it's it is such a basic thing, and I think because it's so basic, most people just overlook it. Yeah. But yep. In in all like the majority of my clients, that's where they're getting their gains from, or or when they actually have an issue, like if they had a poor result in a race or or a training session that they felt they didn't couldn't perform that well. When we like nine times out of 10, when we kind of join the dots backward as, as to why that might have happened. Yep. 90% of the time, it's hydration. Yeah, like, there you go. Yep, for sure. Um, yeah, it is just so important for our industry, I think, because we ride in hot conditions and we ride with gear and we ride with hot bikes. Like the bike heat transfers up through the legs and stuff, you know, like it's just, a, it's, yeah, it's really important. Um, what was I going to say? We've got then? it all going against us pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then we're just all so tough. It's like, oh, we don't need anything, you know. It's like, yeah. you know, you got to you got to top that up. I mean, you have people spectating, eating and drinking more than the riders. What? <laughs> you know, we need to value it a little bit more. So, yeah, hydration's really good. Um, yeah, I can't think what I was going to say about that. Yeah, so hydration's obviously a biggie, but what what are some of the other things, I guess, either – I don't, I don't like to use the word mistake, but because people, you don't know what you don't know, right? But what are, when, when people first sort of start working with you, what are some of their other frustrations or, or things that they're kind of working on at the beginning? Oh, uh, yeah, nice. Okay, so some of the common things that I would see would be, so like one of the like mistakes, for lack of a better word, would be supplement use. Um, that's one that I find really interesting. Um, we go for that. I think people go for that low-hanging fruit, but it's the wrong one. So looking for an easy fix, but it's actually not effective. So I find supplements is the biggest one there, and I can totally see why. Sometimes when I look, I'll be like, oh, no, that that supplement, uh, low evidence, doesn't work, uh, ineffective, very expensive. And then I'll go check it out because that's part of my job is to go check it out, look at it. And then the way that industry, the supplement industry, writes their uh, spiel about their supplements is just money-making, man. They are so clever. I'm like, wow, this stuff sounds amazing. Should I be doing this? <laughs> and then you look into it and like, no, no, just look at the science. Don't look at the, the stuff that they write because they do a damn good job at selling their product. So I think that's that's a huge one that I see and I can save I've saved people you know a fair bit of money just cutting out like finish your supplement off go for it and then try not using it um see if it makes any difference because half the time it's just costing their pocket and not making any difference to their health or performance so that's one big one um really common I think people contact me about is fatigue Um, So they're getting tired, uh, which is really normal. Like you're going to fatigue, we're going to get fatigued. That's a normal response to endurance training and uh, exercise. But it's sort of like, when is that fatigue happening? Can we delay it? So can we get an extra hour or two on the bike? Can we make it less hard hitting? So, you know, that fatigue where you've just 
lay the bike down and have a lay down like that's heavy fatigue compared to just like making a couple of silly mistakes so fatigue would be a huge one um that would come back to what you said about hydration but very frequently it's got to do with inadequate carbohydrate intake um more often than not so just complete lack of taking food on a ride like if you look at an endurance we're wanting about 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrate an hour um and most people are having zero so that point of fatigue is going to hit pretty hard so that'd be a big one um confidence i think um so i see so many people like people are well aware about gels um you know like uh, carbohydrate gels and electrolytes and sports drinks but they don't quite know how to use them or when to use them or what they even do. They just know to have them. And that can really impact on your confidence. I was like, should I be doing this or shouldn't I be doing this? Whereas I can come in and be like, okay, this is where you want to have them. This is what it's for. This is your plan. And that really improves confidence. Like there's nothing better than feeling like you are doing the right thing and the best thing for yourself, I reckon, versus that in the back of your head, like, Ooh, is this helping or hindering? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I reckon. So that's a big one. Um, um, just to, before we go too far down, yeah. like to go back to that 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrate mm -hmm. per hour, like yep. that, that's, that is a big one that I get off people too um, yep. and, and sort of knowing when to or should I um, is the question like, when should I be having the carbohydrates? So yep. if, if they've got their nutrition dialed leading in, they yep. like, they should have enough energy to get through like up to 60 minutes. Yep, um, and then as soon as they start going like over 60 minutes, whether, and that doesn't need to be a race, like it could just be a, a hard trail ride. That's when they sort of need to think about adding that in, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah. So you nailed it. I think we need to focus on the lead up, particularly in our sport. I reckon it's really, really important. So if you look at it, the um, best performance with sport and nutrition is either one, having it done before or two, during. But doing the both together is just like, <laughs> so you want, if you can't do both, then you've got to really focus really hard on one of them. So if you can't fuel during your ride, then you need to work damn hard on making sure it's done before you get on that bike. But if you can do both, that's just like the gold standard, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you've eaten enough, you know, 60 minutes, we don't need carbohydrate for a 60 minute um, exercise, whatever we're doing. Yeah. If it's so the general rule is endurance over two hours that we start needing carbohydrate. Um, those ultra endurance style things, you need more up at the 90 gram mark. But majority of what I see, we're sitting more at the 30 to 60, particularly because we are limited so much with time um, a lot. So you can't just like stop and have a um you know eat through a salad roll mid-enduro it's yeah. <laughs> like so it's just not possible or why you do romaniacs or something so you've got our environment to work with and it's going to depend on every race so like we've got a desert race happening at the moment up in Carnarvon that's going to happen over the weekend so really you're wanting to be hitting that carbs about the it's only like a maybe two and a half three hour race but you'd still want something because it's just 
full go the whole time. So it'd be like halfway through it, one of your first fuel stops would be the Necker uh, gel or two if you can manage it. Yeah. So it really depends on what you're doing as to how much you need and when you need it really. But that's yeah. your general rule. Yeah, 100%, yeah. Yeah. And and you're right. That's the I guess, and I've heard you talk about it on your social media posts too. But you really, it is trial and error, and different for yeah. every person. It's individualized. So you you gotta. That's the biggest thing. You don't want to rock up to the start line and and test it out on race. <laughs> oh my god, no! And that happens. You know, it's like okay. I find people ask me questions. I'm getting this a lot at the moment. Like, what should I eat before a race or what should I do? And my, I'm a really sort of giving person and caring and I want to help people. So it's really hard for me and I'll often start rambling and then they'll bust out something like, oh, I've got type 1 diabetes or um, they'll say something like, oh, well, I don't drink any coffee and I've just recommended caffeine or um what are some other examples? And I'm, so it's gotten to the point where I'm like, I can't just give out general nutrition advice because it comes back on me. It's dangerous. If something happens, um, you know, someone's never used caffeine before or something, and then they do it, like you said, um, NECA, you know, caffeine pill before starting a race and end up clutch happy and whiskey throttle and all sorts of stuff. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, our heart rate's already through the roof. So I'm coming away from that and saying, look, if you do want advice, you really need to consult so that I can find out what your medical history is, what you're, um, what you're currently consuming, what you're doing, and then come up with a plan for them to do in training so that we're not getting to race day. and putting in place all these new things and oh, anything could happen really. I know, you know, nutrition sometimes isn't the hugest thing that's going to cause big problems, but it also can too. So when you're looking at supplements and things. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I would say it's definitely an area that's worth focusing on for sure. If yep. you want to get the best result on race day. Yep. For sure. Good. Did you have any others there? Like that people sort of pop up for people when they're starting? I think those would be the biggest ones, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, fatigue, supplements, the confidence in their plan and a bit of confusion, I guess, around all the uh, what your mate's doing, what Toby Price is doing, what, um, you know, um, it's so different and we where we're getting our information from makes it very confusing. Uh, so that would be a big one that I have to work with people is um, decreasing that confusion educating and then implementing an individualized plan for them. So, you know, I've had a few guys lately that um, are low carb and they're like, well, what do I do? I'm like, oh, I can't just give out information. I need to know what you're doing to be able to help with those sorts of things. So, yeah, they'd be big ones, I reckon. Yeah. And what's some of your, like, low-hanging fruit that you see those clients sort of that's, that's bringing them results in those instances? Um, so I think mostly it would come down to what we've talked about. So dialing in their hydration. So making sure they've got that really sorted, um, doing it before a race, not just during or the ride. Um, the carbohydrates would be a huge one. So I have had a couple of small chats with guys that have really simple questions and they've come back and said, wow, like I, my fatigue has decreased hugely. So Hydration, carbohydrate, 
Um, and then I guess recovery. So between races, particularly like you've got this weekend, we've got the desert race is Saturday and Sunday. So if we're not recovering from Saturday, how are we ever going to ride to our best potential on Sunday? So I think making a huge point of recovery nutrition as well is um, uh, another low, low hanging fruit. And that's the easiest one because you've just finished the race. Like you can get your bike all sorted and then just be hitting, uh, topping up the food, the drinks, not so much the beers. <laughs> we'll leave that for Sunday. <laughs> Time to treat yourself after the race. Yeah, yeah. The next day. <laughs> race isn't finished yet. <laughs> no, but you're right. Like, that's you're 100% right. Because, like, over here, I don't know. I think in WA, your off road events are mostly two day events, too. But, like, all the state. Oh, not this year. Aren't they? Yeah. yeah. All over here, the, the state and the Aussie stuff is all two day events. So, right. Yeah. If you're not getting that nailed on day one and you go race a three hour cross country and then Sunday you're coming back to do an hour or an hour and a half worth of sprints like it's going to be a real tough day for you if you oh yeah you don't hit that on the first day yeah without a doubt yeah I think that's a big one so multi-day multi-day events uh yeah recovery just needs to go up on the priority list not just bike maintenance you need to hit your recovery really well yeah yeah do you have any sort of tips around that like for or like post-race meal like what's a good perhaps I, get, I know everyone's different again and but yep. just to give people yep. some I guess the general what rules be, yeah what they yep. should be looking to include yeah yeah so the general rule of thumb is thinking of your three r's uh, so um recovery r um you want to replenish rehydrate and um repair so uh replenish is uh, putting back in the carbohydrates that you've used. I think people forget about that. People are so focused on recovery protein that we forget to top back up our glycogen stores again. So that's our store, as you know, is our store of glucose that fuels us for exercise. So we need to actually replenish that. So your bike's used up all its fuel. So have you. So you've got to not just top up your protein, you need to top back up your carbs again. Um, I'll go back on that a sec. Rehydrate, so um, hitting your rehydration, water's ample. Um, but the bonus of if you're really doing grueling work and you're an athlete, there's no harm in having, say, soft drink because you're getting lots of sugar. So you're replacing your glycogen really fast and you're rehydrating as well. Um, but then you need to follow that up with quality stuff later. So it's good for that really quick replenishment, but you need to follow it up. Uh, same goes with repair. So you need that protein, uh, that 20 to 30 grams after a ride. And that's where the protein shake is awesome because you can smash it down while you're still, you know, getting yourself back to your camp or whatever you're doing. But again, you need to follow that up with something quality later. And you can't really overdo it. So if you smash a soft drink to get your carbs and hydration and you smash a protein drink to get your protein, then you can still snack after. You can still have a steak, um, you know, salad and bread for a steak sandwich. And then you could still have a yogurt or something for supper and then get some good sleep. Uh, the thing that I see uh, a lot is smashing caffeine drinks at the end of a race. Well, that makes no sense at all. <laughs> like I highly recommend not doing that. So don't finish a race and smash Red Bull. It's probably the worst thing you could do. 
what you need to do is get your protein, your carbs, your hydration, and get some sleep. <laughs> Um, it's all well and good if you've finished your race and you want to go party with everyone at the pub or something, by all means do that. <laughs> but if you're still racing the next day, don't go smashing caffeine drinks. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think most people have a hard enough time getting to sleep potentially if, you, if you're a bit wired from the race. Yeah. So it's definitely not something yeah. that, that you want yeah. to be having late in the day, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. And I, I totally get it. Like you finish your race, you're absolutely buggered. It's like, oh, let's have a Red Bull. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> um so real like you you mentioned it again sort of back at the start that if if we are if we do have the option to sort of take real food if it's just a trail ride or even some like some of the hard enduro events potentially like they're out there for that long that they like you said the flavor fatigue thing sets in so it might they might want to have like a real food option to sort of break it up yeah for sure do you have some some tips there for people that are the good options that are easy to sort of carry in the camelback? Yeah, absolutely. So some of the things like you'll see the guys doing Romaniacs, they strap um, bars, um, no bars to their bars. Yeah, that's right. So they strap like sports bars onto their bars. The thing that I see though is that they tend to have them still strapped on at the end of the race. So they're a good option if as a backup but they can be really hard to chew if it's cold or whatever. So they can have their downsides. If you're trying to sit there chewing on a sports bar, they might not be that great compared to necking a gel. But muesli bars and that tend to be a bit more acceptable. So you can chuck a muesli bar uh, in your backpack or under your seat or in your fender bag. Um, they tend to have about 15 grams of carbs. So you could either have one and a half or two of those if you can manage uh, my favourite is Sultanas. You know those kids' pack of Sultanas? They have 30 yep. grams of carbs in them. So they're like this little and they hit your carb requirement um, and you can literally still, I don't know about you guys, but I can, you can just neck one of those things back and just chew on them fine. The only problem is, is when they break and go all through your gear bag, it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely had that happen. So clear out your bag afterward. It's just like kids at school empty your packs <laughs> um, when those um, cardboard containers go a little bit soggy it's not fun um, other things would be like uh, homemade bliss balls so I've got one recipe on my grid um, which is more oat based so it's carbohydrate based sometimes they're really high fat and um, like if they're using heat coconut oil and heaps of nuts they can be a bit ugh, um, slow on the gastrointestinal tract so going a more carbohydrate-based bliss ball, um, a basic sandwich, like really basic. Um, so what I say uh, is cut the crusts off and everyone's like, why? It's like, well, it's much quicker and easier to eat like a white bread honey sandwich with no crust. You can get that down really quick without having to chew through the crust, which has no nutritional value either, by the way, crust. Um, don't listen to your mothers. <laughs> so you could do a basic sandwich with peanut butter or honey or jam. Um, some guys really like jerky, um, which is fine. It doesn't usually fuel because it's pretty much pure protein. But if you've marinated in honey or something, then you're going to get a little bit of carbs. I guess the bonus with jerky is it's high salt. So that's one of your solid-based electrolyte replenishments, I guess. It's delicious. Um, you look real tough. <laughs> and it breaks up that sweet stuff, especially if you're trail riding over a long time. 
Um, it's nice to have like jerky or a hand like um, nuts and seeds. And they're not going to fuel you, but they take away feelings of hunger, which is just as important in sports nutrition. Like you do not want to be riding a bike and have a rumbling tummy. Like it's just distracting. <laughs> um, so you want to feel strong and that. So that can help. Um, if you've got like if you like our trail rides here, we have support crew. So they've got eskies, like you want wraps and rolls and um, those sorts of things are perfect for those kinds of events, taking real food. Uh, you can do tins of tuna in your backpack with some like Vita wheat crackers in a uh, container. They're only thin and small, so wrap them up in um, Glad Wrap or something or a Ziploc bag. And they're pretty easy. Those cheese and cracker packs that you can get, um, they're a bit more expensive than that, but they're okay to use. Um, yeah. They'd be, oh, fruit, obviously. Fruit would be one of our nature's little packages. So banana, um, orange, apple, like Chucky Sanders. Um, yeah, all perfect examples of uh, fueling food. Yeah, yeah, awesome. I like yeah. it. Yeah. That's probably something worth touching on too. And I know you've, you've posted about it on your social media is the, I guess, not necessarily the timing of protein, but like you mentioned it before, how, getting it in after exercises is important, but what's probably more important than that is how much we've consumed over the day or getting it in consistently, yeah. I should say. Like yeah. if, if you're just having a bit after you train and then you're not having any for the rest of the day, then that's kind of, you, you're just wasting it really. Absolutely. Yeah. I think so uh, at the moment, the focus is more, uh, importantly on not the amount of protein but the timing and distribution of it so you know back in the day you'd see the gym guys walking out just necking a um, protein drink as if their muscles are going to waste away as before they get to the car and so we thought there was a 30 to 60 minute anabolic window for muscle growth we now know that window is just like a big sliding door it's like Eight 24 hours. hours or something yeah. like it's huge that yeah. metabolic activity just goes on and on so if you're training daily you're pretty much in a constant state of it so your yep. weekly intake is crucial we focus so much on what we eat in a day it's like it's your weekly monthly intake that's important not just a day-to-day -day basis or I remember doing my um I was mentoring a student when I was working in the hospital and he'd come out with like an entire chook. I'm not even joking. It was close to a whole roast chook. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? And we have a maximum protein synthesis amount. So if we go above your 30 grams of protein, the rest is just going to get oxidized um, or stored as, stored as energy. So eating, um, it's not a eat more, gain more, it doesn't work like that. So having those small incremental doses of 20 to 30 grams, like five times a day is likely to be more beneficial than having uh, a protein shake after and then a whole chicken at dinner. Yeah. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the protein shake thing is fine, but if it's contributing to your, your daily target, but it's yep. kind of doesn't matter that much. Like it's probably matters what you ate before that training session more than yeah. what you're going to have straight after it yeah for sure yeah there's no point going in under field having a shit workout like you're better off to eat properly go in and feel like a champion and have a wicked workout you're going to get more gains doing that than yeah um focusing on protein shakes after protein shakes after 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. It kind of comes back to, like you said, back at the start, the supplements, they're really like the 5% on top. Yeah. The, it's getting that foundation right in real food on your day-to-day basis is what counts the most. Absolutely. I'm a huge food first person. So if you ever hear me recommending a supplement, you, you stop and listen. <laughs> you know, um, it's always food. Um, we have the best bioavailability from food. We don't just eat a nutrient, we eat food. So like calcium supplement versus calcium in milk, you're going to get way better absorption from milk because you've got lactose, which increases calcium absorption. So yeah, always a food first approach for me um, and what I believe. Yeah, 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 there's awesome. room for supplements, don't get me wrong, but, um, yeah, food first. Yeah, for sure. Well, it just comes back to that. And, like, the supplement, you, you've, it's kind of wasted if that foundation is not there. But the yeah. supplement supplement's yeah. designed to be a supplement. It's not designed to be the foundation. Spot on, yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, it's complementing the, the diet, a good diet. You cannot have an average diet and expect supplements to tick the boxes for you. Yeah. 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 So we got a few questions from some listeners. Okay. One was on magnesium. They might have read mm-hmm. your magnesium post the other day. Yep. Um, they asked, what's the best type of magnesium? If you are going to supplement with magnesium, is there a type that you would recommend? That people okay. Ex- excellent question. If you haven't read my post, go check it out. Um, it's on my grid. It's the latest post. Took me 5,000 hours, <laughs> it felt like. Um, I actually learned a lot from that, so that was really good. Um, one thing as a dietitian is I will, I don't, um, if there's a point or area of practice that I don't feel is in my expertise, I won't just answer it um, and um, make something up. So I would recommend talking to your pharmacist. I think a pharmacist would have a better idea of that. I mean, I can certainly look into it and from memory, See, this is just like probably inaccurate. It's like magnesium sulfate might be better absorbed, but don't quote me on that. So that isn't my strong point. I would go speak to a pharmacist or um, maybe uh, maybe a naturopath if you want. Um, yeah, but that's not my strong point. Yeah. So I don't really have an answer for you there. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> um, I know like the brand I use is, is glycinate. It's high in glycinate. So, again, the thing I found and which you you probably no doubt have too, and I'm sure anyone listening to this that's actually tried magnesium probably potentially has, that some of it agrees with some people and some of it doesn't. Like if you get the wrong brand, you (laughs) might end up spending a bit of time on the toilet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or if you have a really high dose, it has a laxative. They use it as a laxative. So, yeah, it's definitely got a strong nausea, uh, diarrhea possibility. Um, yeah not always yeah so that that's one brand that I've found like I can have a massive amount of that um and it's like completely fine and and like a lot of my clients use that as well and have had like good results with it so yeah perfect so um yeah what you're looking at is bioavailability how well we absorb it and then you look at the tolerance of it so how uh, tolerant are you uh price so you some people it's important so you're looking at safety uh cost risk uh upper limit upper limits and toxicity um not too bad with magnesium i think they did the upper limit based on diarrhea basically so uh it's 
it's pretty hard, almost impossible to have toxicity with food. We always increase the risk of toxicity as soon as we start taking supplements with all things. Um, but yeah, less likely to have a toxic effect. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, awesome. So another one was, do you have any performance nutrition hacks that people may not be aware of? Um, probably answered it already, but I, I would love to think that we just covered all of that. <laughs> so <laughs> come, they would come be back the, to point one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Restart the uh, conversation. Yeah, hydration, carbohydrate, recovery, protein, uh, eating a healthy, well balanced diet as well. Like you can't just like do whatever you want in terms of like eating like rubbish or like not focusing on your weekly nutrition and expect to get to race day and get by on a carbohydrate gel. That's not performance nutrition. So performance nutrition is not about having a gel at halfway mark and having some sports drink in your backpack. That's the, that's, you know, a bandaid. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is right. Really good for athletes and that, but it won't work if you're not actually training and eating a healthy um balanced diet as well so you need to be doing a whole lot to get those benefits from that you would you know get more you know use if you're already trained and adapted to doing that yeah yeah that, that's probably something we haven't touched on it'd be good to get your point of view but like overall calories like that's something i see especially with guys like yep most a lot of guys are tradies they're on their feet yep. all day yep then they might go and throw in a gym session or a training session or go for a ride on their dirt bike like yep. some guys are burning like a huge amount of calories yep. um and then if they're not getting anywhere near that amount in, in food they're like you're digging yourself a hole every day yeah yeah that's an awesome question um so there's a couple of things there um it's really good that you brought that up because we have this thing so you might have heard of reds so relative energy deficiency syndrome um previously looked at uh, previously was more about the female triad but men can get it too so there's a huge focus women are more prone to it and tend we tend to see it in women the most where they over exercise and under eat and dieting and then have energy deficiency relative to their needs so they're not eating enough for their very high levels of activity. So if you want to look into uh, relative energy deficiency, um, the girl, the guys over at um, Compete Nutrition uh, over East are uh, uh, all over that as a topic. So yeah, if you're under fueling, you can be tired, you can increase your risk of bone fracture or like just a stress fracture from exercising. Uh, women can lose their menstrual cycle and have hormone um, imbalances uh, you'll find it extremely difficult actually pretty much impossible to gain muscle mass if you're trying to gain muscle mass and eating insufficient calories it won't happen so if you're finding you're in a bit of a plateau or you're like i've tried to gain muscle and i've been at the gym every day but i'm not gaining any muscle it's like well maybe you're either a not eating enough and or hitting those protein targets you need to do both together um I rarely ever work with clients on a total energy amount um, because it is extremely hard to estimate. Um, and when we do, it's an estimate. 
So I tend to go more on food group approaches, um, how their energy levels are, how they're performing. So I've had a guy recently who messaged me and he said, look, I've lost some weight, but I have so much more energy and I can ride like 30K instead of 20 uh, and not fatigue. So it's more about making those adjustments and seeing how it makes us feel. So you might find eating a healthier diet with more food, you can perform better, you're less tired, you feel great and you recover better. So if you're struggling with fatigue, uh, inadequate recovery, um, in, like you're not getting those gains that you're expecting, then maybe, yeah, take a look at your overall uh, dietary intake for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah awesome. Really good point. Yeah, running off, uh, you know, doing these huge days, running off an iced coffee is not going to cut it. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I've I, seen it all, man. I have seen every dietary intake under the sun. <laughs> Doritos, a nice break. Oh, yeah. So there's no judgment here. <laughs> Not many things make me go, wow, <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Back oh, in the day, maybe. We've all been there. Yeah, yeah. And we all <laughs> do. Like, we, there's always going to be times when we do that too. Like, we don't need to beat ourselves up for a bad day or even, like, like periods of time. Like, yeah, we're always going to go through phases, but it's a blip. It's a drop in the ocean. If we're looking at an entire lifestyle change that we do for our whole lives, Going through like, you know, Easter or Christmas or birthday party or uh, injury, um, you know, it's it's a couple of days, it's a couple of weeks, it's a couple of months over your lifetime. So if you're hitting um, a healthy diet for life as a lifestyle, then those small things aren't going to matter too much. Yeah. If you start doing it too often, then it is going to make an impact on your health. And you'll know that because you'll see maybe weight gain or lethargy or your cholesterol goes through the roof or your blood pressure skyrockets. So you'll know if your lifestyle choices are starting to make an impact, um, preferably getting onto it before those things happen though. Yeah, for sure. It's def Sorry, you go. No, no, all good. Oh, I was just going to say, it's definitely worth mentioning because it's like you can, food can be one of those things that, that can bring people stress. Like if you're yep. so fixated on eating a particular way or not eating this or you sort of demonize things, then like we kind of don't want it to get to that point because it's yes. that like not eating something or the stress of not eating something can do more damage to us, like literally do more damage to us than just eating the freaking whatever it is, a piece of birthday cake or, or whatever. Oh, yeah. Or, or Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I work um, in eating disorders a lot. So eating disorders was my passion before I went into dirt bikes. Um, so I'm still seeing clients with eating disorders or restrictive eating or negative body image. Like negative body image is rampant. Um, I haven't been doing it lately because I've been focused more in a male-dominated industry area. But the thing is, is that males are just as prone to body image and eating disorders. Like it's not a female-specific problem, just like relative energy deficiency. These aren't female-specific. Men are still suffering negative body image and eating disorders or body dysmorphia and bigorexia. So these are really important things. And yeah, like the saying is, is no food can harm you more than your eating disorder can. So yeah, you hit it on the head, uh, having food rules and food fixations um, and a negative relationship with food is far more damaging than the food itself. 100%, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very passionate about that area. 
So that's probably a good little segue for our last question. But oh, yep. like I've I've actually got a fair few women clients now, which is awesome that are that are racing yep. dirt bikes. Sure, um, yeah. <laughs> is, yeah, it's great. So do you is there anything like specifically or, or just little tips that you may recommend women compared to men that what they can do? Yeah, oh, it's so awesome to hear that you've got some women um, that you're working with. That's absolutely awesome uh, to hear that girls and women are out on the track is awesome. Even with this injury, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I've got kids to look after. It's been really brutal the last two months. Like as much as, you know, you try and get through it, it is really tough. Um, and then I see all my friends have these. I've got a little girl. She's two. And all my mates who ride have daughters. And then I think oh, that's what I also do it for. So I want to keep doing it to keep encouraging girls that, hey, we can ride dirt bikes. You don't have to be Toby Price, but you can still get on and ride one and have a lot of fun. So that's awesome to hear that you've got um, uh, women in there. Um, differences, I mean, again, it's not a huge strong point of mine. There are some people that really strongly focus on uh, women's health and nutrition and that. So for me, generally speaking, the concepts are all exactly the same. You're going to see differences in terms of volumes and amounts, um, like, um, you know, we, which isn't, which is still individual though. Like it comes down to like, if you're calculating someone's protein requirements, a woman's might still be the same as some of the men if they have a higher body mass, um, still quite muscular. So that's not always true either. It still needs to be individualized. Um, at the moment, like there's talk of training around um, and the menstrual cycle and hormones. The evidence from like um, isn't that strong or um, solid enough to do that. However, there are a lot of people who are promoting that area so you could look into that but not my that's not my area um so yeah no not not too much differences really <laughs> I can think of I know like I could say individually I would think I would be different like the guys can just next three liters I'm like fire out that's like I don't think I could ever manage that so volumes are different I tend to find like you watch the guys and just unloading their bikes and um, moving the bikes around with such ease and efficiency, whereas I'm, like, struggling, like, chewing through more energy, and I'm, like, pretty much half tired before I actually start riding. So, But that's just my experience. Like other women are probably way tougher and are just as good as the bloke, so it wouldn't make a difference. But, you know, maybe sometimes I feel like I need a bit more fueling like you know you might think it's the opposite like women don't need as much or maybe amateur riders don't need as much but if we're less efficient like this is me I'm not talking about other people like dropping the bike or um taking longer to get unstuck or whatever you might shoot through a bit more fuel than your more efficient high class rider so it's not always true that they need less yeah 100 percent. I, yeah. I would agree for sure and that that again it goes for males too like yeah. I've always said that like I've had that I guess that comment from people they're like oh I don't ride as fast as Toby Price I don't need to have that or I don't need to have electrolytes or I don't need to have gels and I'm like well mate your heart rate's probably 10 beats higher than Toby Price because you're like you're <laughs> so inefficient and you're hitting every <laughs> single bump and he's riding around those bumps like he's doing it easy compared to the average dude who's yeah 
copping it yeah. big time. So you're you're 100 right. Like it, it's probably it's more important for yep. for uh, the mere mortals than it is for for Toby or something. Absolutely, yeah, spot on. So those guys have got their new. They should have their nutrition dialed in really well. Like you look at the difference between some of the guys that could finish at the two hour mark and some finish at the three hour mark. So you're out on the trail for an hour longer than everyone else. So, you know, you're out in the heat longer. You're in amongst the, like you get in amongst those trees sometimes and it gets, it's like being in an oven. So yeah, I don't agree that we need like less. These people, like you said, usually probably need more. Yeah, for sure. And then it, then it makes it more enjoyable too. Like, I know when I first started, I was like, oh, this is so tough. I'd kill for just a break or something. So if you can have a stop and get some, like, hydration happening and have a little bit of food or something, if it makes it more enjoyable, you're more likely to continue doing it, which leads to you getting more skills. You get better. You get more efficient. You can stop relying on those external factors a little bit more. Mm. Um, because you've gotten better trained in that so if you're at that starting point anyone don't be afraid to stop I mean half the time I used to worry about stopping because I felt like I already held everyone up enough but more than likely everyone else is probably quite happy for a break and they're probably quite jealous if you're eating them you know <laughs> I remember one time everyone the guys I said how long are we going for oh, I don't know well should I pack some food no you don't eat food <laughs> we got like well, on our way back and they're like, oh, I'm so tired. And, you know, I said, oh, well, I got some carb gels and some caffeine. You want one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, sometimes maybe everyone else would like a bit of a stop in that too. So, um, you know, don't let the uh, that stop you. Uh, if it makes you also, like, I find if we fatigue, that's when you start doing dumb stuff like hitting trees or overshooting corners or you're, your response times aren't as good. Your re reflexes aren't as good. Your clutch control, you're getting tired. So if you just stop for like five minutes and eat something, then you might have another hour of nice quality riding, not like hanging in there for the last hour daydreaming about where the car is. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure I'm not alone on that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's it's. It probably important thing to mention too that like for ladies like you said it is you're working harder sometimes just to get your bike off the trailer so the strength like yep. I, I beat that horse to death all the time but the the yep. strength like for for women and even again for guys like if you're a smaller dude and like you need to be stronger than than your mate that's bigger than you because you're gonna have to work harder to move your bike around Yes, yeah, spot on. Um, when I was working with you before my injury, that was a huge thing I noticed was how easy it was to move my bike around. I'm like, oh, my God, this is heaven. <laughs> so that increase, like these are 110 kilo bikes. So every time you drop it, it's like, oh, God, here we go again. So being able to lift your bike and just lift it without it turning into the world's greatest chore uh, is awesome. So yeah, that was one thing, increasing strength, which I've always been for, but yeah, doing it with you was such a sport specific strength that yeah, you know, manipula manipulating your bike around and, and all of that just becomes easier, more efficient and less fatiguing. It's awesome. So then imagine hitting your strength goals and your nutrition goals. You're just like a powerhouse. You're doing the best that you can um and yeah i think that's 
you know, while you're still working on everything else. So if you're just starting, make sure you hit all those other things so that they aren't a thing stopping you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Again, it's the it's the low hanging fruit thing, like just trying to go out there and ride faster. If yeah. you're not if you're not working on that low hanging fruit, then you it's it's like that's the end goal is to get faster and yeah. just swinging off the throttle harder is not really the best way to get there. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> not nah, with you there. If you can tick all those boxes, then you're doing the very best you can. Then the rest comes down to your your skills and awesomeness, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. Tell people how, like, if they do want to get in touch with you or just fill people in on what you actually do, because you can, people can get in touch with you and have a consult and get a, a nutrition plan laid out if they would like to, can't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I do video conference. So it'd be just like this. This is exactly what it'd be like. Um, so I'm on Instagram, Elevate Sports Dietetics. I'm on Facebook. I have a website. So www.elevatesportsdietetics.com. Um, um, that's where you can get my email. You can send me a direct message. You can phone me, text me, smoke signals, whatever. Um, and then we can, I even offer a 15 minute chat. No, no charge. If you're not sure, if you're like, oh, can this person really help me? Let's talk it through first. Uh, then we sit down and I do a full assessment about the same length of time it's taken us today would be what it takes. Then when we finish and I've collected all that data and made an assessment, I can go put up a plan. So like I've got a guy writing this weekend. He started traveling yesterday. So I wrote his meal plan from yesterday, today, ready for prologue and two race day plans. And that's it. So we've got that. And then also his weekly nutrition plan or, you know, we, we do it depending on what the person needs. Um, also, I've got my book. I don't have any. This is my only print copy and it's real scruffy. So I've got my book that has all that information that we've just talked about. Um, I've got that in ebook form, which is a bit more affordable. Um, and, yeah, um, I might make a few more changes before I do another print, though. Version 2.0. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks heaps for your time today. Is there anything else you'd like to add or anyone you'd like to thank or anything like that before we... Um, no, I think that's... Um, I think we've covered the real big stuff. I mean, there's obviously going to be a thousand questions coming. Like, you can go on so many tangents away from all those things. Um, I guess would be like dropping in Tim Coleman... Um, I'm sure all of your viewers and my viewers are well aware that of Tim's situation. He has been a huge inspiration for me. I mean, he's literally the front cover of my book. And um, I think where have we got the, the first whole section, Tim just um, did a Q&A with me, um, thought nothing of it. He just did it. Um, so he's extremely supportive. So he's got the GoFundMe page um, up available and heaps of stuff coming out. So um, grassroots go check out their instagram and facebook that would be the only extra thing i would have to say really yeah for sure it's definitely a worthwhile um i guess thing um <laughs> a worthwhile cause is the word i'm looking for yep. worthwhile yeah. cause actually <laughs> yeah. to donate a bit of money to um i'm sure it'd yep. be much appreciated that's for sure yeah it's awesome it's um i the dirt bike community is such a small community really aren't we like yeah it's 
um, yeah, it's pretty amazing that we're all like fairly like-minded people and, you know, we all come together at times like this. It's pretty awesome to see how everyone has come together and uh, the conversation that sparks up as well, like even um, conversations in mental health have come out of this, which I think is absolutely uh, fantastic. So um, there's places to go to get support if, um, if anyone's been affected. Um, that these are the sorts of things that come out of um, silver lining, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully it's <laughs> you know, not too long we see him back on his feet. Be awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Thank you very cool. much for your time today. I appreciate it. No worries. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, come and check me out on Instagram if you want. Give you a follow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. See you, Ben. See ya. <laughs>